Take your Bible, please. Let's get into the Word this morning. I want to continue in our, in our exegetical study of uh, Philippians. We're in chapter 1. We're starting at verse number 12 today. And thank you for the good feedback I've gotten recently. I guess uh, many are getting a lot out of this type of preaching. A little bit new for me, but I think it's helpful for all of us. I've entitled the message today, At All Costs, The Gospel. And uh, let's read verses 12 through 18, then we'll, we'll pray and we'll talk about it. Starting at verse number 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that we were happy to be at this point on this day. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to articulate and preach the things that you put on my heart uh, regarding this passage. Anoint me with your spirit, Lord, that I may bring forth the word of God in such a way that people will want to hear it and apply it to their lives. And Lord, I pray, we pray that your Holy Spirit will take this message, take this passage, and work it into our heart, mind, soul, and spirit, that it would actually change our lives for the better. We pray, Lord, as we often pray, in the process of preaching the Word of God, Lord, may you be glorified, and may you be honored at the proclamation of your word. And may your people be encouraged and edified at the preaching of your word. And for anyone that may hear this down the line through the, through the uh, live stream video and uh, the, the Facebook page or whatever, our website, may it bring conviction to the non-believer as well. We thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So, um, entitled the message, At All Costs, The Gospel. Uh, the gospel, in case you have forgotten, is means good news. And uh, it, the gospel is life-saving, life-changing. Uh, the life-changing message of the cross changes our destiny. Somebody give me an amen right there. If you've heard it and received it, you know what I'm talking about. Do you remember how you used to be before you were a Christian? I do, and I want to forget about it, but I can't. But sometimes I'm happy I do remember to make me realize what I used to be and what I am now. Not that I've attained perfection yet. Amen right there. But I'm on the way. We're on the way to perfection. But I remember before when that wasn't even part of the equation of who I was. Lost and just in sorrow and anguish all the time, it seemed. But Jesus said to go everywhere and, and preach this gospel. He said, you know, he said that all authority has been given to me, meaning he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He arose from the dead. 
It is all authority has been given to me. Now I'm commissioning you to go out and preach this gospel. Share your testimony. Tell somebody that I care about them, that I love them. Go tell the whole world until I come back. That's the Great Commission. I'm glad that somebody told somebody, and somebody told somebody, and somebody told somebody, and somebody finally told me about it. You know who that somebody was, right? My friend Lenny, that's with the Lord right now. Incidentally, I don't know if, if this person is online right now, but uh, if, if, the, if the brother from Portchester, New York is on here, I just want to share a little bit. I, how many of you get on Facebook and you see what's going on with people from your home area, your family or whatever? I'm always meeting people from my home area. Well, I met this guy uh, last night um, from my home area, and uh, he's a great fan of Southern rock. He's a younger guy, younger than me, but he loves 70s rock. Plays bass. I immediately thought of my friend Lenny. Played with Blackfoot, Southern Rock Band in the 70s. And so we were talking and sharing things. And uh, I just happened to have Lenny's book on my shelf. I took a picture of it and I sent it to this guy. Cheech, if you're on, God bless you, brother. Hope you're on. But um, through this uh, encounter, I invited him to come on our live stream this morning to hear the gospel. But Lenny Stadler led me to the Lord. I'm glad somebody told him about Jesus, and he told me about Jesus. I'm glad somebody told you, and Cheech, I'm telling you this morning, Jesus loves you as well. And so this is our great commission, to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. Jesus gave his life that we might have, what? New life. And that alone is something to rejoice about. I, I don't know where you all are at this morning, but I feel in my heart, I want to be, I want to rejoice and, and be filled with joy that God is with me. And as you know, I haven't arrived and you haven't arrived, but the journey is a whole lot better with Jesus on my side. Amen. The journey of life is better with Jesus with us as opposed to, you know, not with us. So anyway. Now the, the gospel, we're preaching the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, if you were with us the last two weeks, we had two messages already in the first 11 verses. But Paul is basically saying, look, I'm here in prison. Timothy's with me, visiting me. I'm writing to my brothers and sisters in Philippi. Um, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the fellowship we've had for like 25 years now. And... Uh, he remembers back, you remember from last week, Lydia and the slave girl and the Philippian jailer. He's just happy that they have a close bond and a close relationship. Can I tell you something? The gospel will do that for people. The gospel will unite people that we would never be united otherwise. I mean, think of us. We're all different, come from different places, whatever, have different experiences. But one thing we have in common is Jesus Christ. And that allows us, as Paul said, we have the fellowship of the gospel. And we're thankful for the fellowship of the gospel. So um, Paul is thankful for this church. They have a close bond. And um, we're going to go verse by verse through verses uh, 12 through 18. Then I want to give you a couple of different things to think about regarding at all costs the gospel. So let's get into it verse by verse. Are you with me? Verse number 12. He says, but I want you to know. Can I just say something about that? Have you ever had that happen to you? You just want to tell somebody something. 
You know, you just want somebody to know. It can't just be anybody, but somebody close to you. Someone that you think will understand where you're coming from. This is what Paul is saying. I, I want to tell you something. I'm happy for the what I said before. I'm happy that I pray for you. You love me. You're with me uh, in my chains. You're with me. I have you in my heart. You know, I, I'm thankful for the fellowship we've had in the gospel from day one. But I want to tell you something. This tells me that Paul was really, you know, endearing to these people. But I want to, what I want to tell you, uh, he says, you know, um, all that has happened to me, all the things that have happened to me have worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. Um, so I, I want to tell you, even though I'm in my chains, even though I'm in prison, even though I'm, I'm, I'm defending my faith up here, I know you're with me, we're separated by space, but we're together, but I want to tell you, all that happened to me has been happening for something great, the furtherance of the gospel. Now, we could simplify that and just move on, but I want to go a little bit deeper, because basically what he's saying is, I got arrested, now I'm in jail, and I'm awaiting trial. That's a nice, neat little package of what he's saying. But if, if you want to turn with me, I'll, I'll read it otherwise. But in, uh, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, just listen to this. Starting at verse 23. He says, are they all ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in my labors. My labors are more abundant than theirs. In stripes, that means in whippings above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in danger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and in nakedness. And besides the other things that comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So when Paul says all the things that happened to me, man, this guy, dear Paul, has been through the mill. He's been beaten for his faith. He's been put in jail before this time. He's been whipped. He's been persecuted, ridiculed, mocked, and so forth. But he says, and eventually you know the story in Acts 27 and 28. Paul was uh, on, the, on, the, on the ship going from Jerusalem up to, up to Rome, and that ship was shipwrecked, and they fell in the water and had a whole big calamity there. But eventually he landed in Rome in the prison. So when he says, all the things that happened to me, he, he's talking about all the things that happened to him. He suffered. But he's now in prison. But they have all come to actually, they turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I, I can't help but comment on his unselfish, positive attitude. It's so commendable in his moment of despair and hardship. He wrote to the Romans, by the way, prior to this, I believe it was. He wrote, you know what, Romans? All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now he's living it. He's in prison, chained up to a guard for two years. We read this in Acts 28. He was under house arrest, chained to a guard for two years. He could have company and people came to visit him. But he's not complaining. He's in all my troubles. All that happened to me 
has resulted in the furtherance of the gospel. You've got to know that one verse is what I would call preachable right there. We who always try to have a nice, uh, cozy life without any problems or hassles, but here's Paul and all of his anguish. I just want you to know all that happened to me, it worked out for good. He's not singing the blues, so to speak. He's praising God that in, in the midst of his trials and his problems, the gospel is going forward at all costs. The gospel. Amen. Amen. So he says in verse number 13, so that, so all, all this has resulted in the furtherance of the gospel, so that it's become evident, it's become clear, it's become obvious to the whole palace guard. Talk about being a witness. And to all the rest of the people, Jew or Gentile, maybe people involved with the court system or people who bring him food or whoever take care of him as a prisoner. But it's become evident to all these people that my chains are in Christ. Wow. He's given a report back to the Philippians who love him and he loves them and so forth. All that happened to me has turned out for something really special. The unsaved are seeing that these chains I'm in are all for Christ. This this problem that I have, this situation I'm in, they're realizing that this is all about Jesus Christ. He's saying to them, I'm being a witness to these people in spite of my, or because of my chains. He's saying, you know, uh, there are are people watching me, taking care of me, uh, the, the court system, the palace guard, all these different people are coming and observing and they're realizing these chains represent what Paul believes in. Boy, talk about taking a negative and turning it into a positive. This is definitely it. So he goes into verse number, uh, well, let me, let me finish verse number 13. My chains are in Christ. My chains, my suffering, my plight, my sorrows are in Christ. They're for Christ. They're for the purpose of Christ. It all works together for the unbeliever to take notice. And let me tell you, church, I don't need to tell you, but I'll tell you, people are watching us. How do we deal with calamity? How do we deal with sickness? How do we deal with the, the, the hassle of life that we all have to deal with? People are watching us. Thank the Lord, no one's in chains. But we have other chains on us. We have other issues to deal with. But how are people, the unsaved, reading us? And people are reading us all the time. So he says, verse 12, it's all working for good. Verse 13, the unbelievers are are, are being awakened. They're observing. They realize this is about God. This is about my relationship with Christ. Paul is forever the evangelist, as you know. Verse number 14, he says, most of the brethren of the Lord. So now he said, okay, there's some brethren up here as well. There's other people that are with me or around me that believe in Jesus. And we have fellowship together. And most of them, he says, have become confident by my chains. Did you get that? Not discouraged, not worried, not, you know, they're confident because of his chains. That would be like us saying somebody, a a brother or sister, is confident if I come with a report that I have a fatal disease or sickness. And my attitude, my disposition encourages them to be strong. 
That's what Paul's saying here. My chains have resulted in the believer being confident, right? And, and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Wow. Yeah, Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. But he's living it. Even as he's bound in chains. I have to bring this home to you because we're not bound in chains like that, but we have issues we deal with. And those issues of life, they will, they will, they will shape us and mold us and change us to the better if we let them, if we let God have his way through them. But look at verse 14. Most of the brethren, now it says in, in Philippians 4.22, that there were, there were believers from the house of Caesar. Did you know that? In the, 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 king, the king's palace or whatever, there were servants and people that worked there that were believers in the Lord. And Paul's saying they're, they're believers there, and, and them and other believers, they're encouraged by my chains. They're not discouraged by my chains. And he's saying to the Philippians, I don't want you to be discouraged because I'm over here in prison. Be encouraged that some good things are happening because of my chains. Anyway, the believer in verse 14 is now confident and emboldened to speak the word of God, to speak the gospel. I love that. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Somebody's got to be bold to say that. The word of God, it changes destinies. It changes minds. It changes communities. 2 Timothy 3.6, All scripture is inspired by God for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete. Are you emboldened today to proclaim the word of God? Listen, it was never designed for the pastor to be the only one to proclaim the word of God. Hello? I mean, we do, but what about Monday? I'm not preaching on Monday here. I hope you are somewhere. Preaching is, we could talk about preaching style. I wanted to close the sermon by, say, by saying, go out and preach. And if necessary, use words. But I just said it now, so I spoiled it. But I'm going to say it again later. <laughs> so verses 12 and 13, Paul's predicament is producing good fruit. You know, he's encouraged. What an attitude. Lord, help us to be like Paul in the moments of our despair and hard times. But if the non-believers are, are, are being, becoming aware that these chains are for a good reason. And the believers are being emboldened and, and confident to speak forth the word of God. Now, verses 15, 16, and 17 are really interesting verses. And I think uh, what Paul has been doing here, he's been watching people. Anyone here like to watch people? Come on, be honest. How many of you go to the mall and just watch people? What are you doing? I'm people watching. Look at that guy. Whoa. 
Well, I think Paul was people watching. I do. I think he was in, in, in the, it's a house jail. He's confined to a, a, he's chained to a guard. Two years this is going on. And he really didn't have much else to do. I think he was just watching people. But anyway, he was watching people. Verse, verse uh, 15 says, some people uh, preach Christ. This is a sad verse. Even from envy and strife. He's observing. Some people preach Christ. It's like they don't even go together. But he's observing. Some people preach Christ from envy and strife. Wow. Others preach Christ from goodwill. He's observing both. Some people preach Christ with all the good motives and all the good reasoning. Other people, you know, preach Christ with, with, a, with an ulterior motive. Sad commentary. Isn't that a sad commentary? But it's true. He said the former, verse 16, preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. This is a sad commentary if, they were, if those that were preaching were in the church. Maybe they weren't even part of the church. They were just preaching the gospel without having surrendered to the gospel. That is a possibility. Another possibility is that they were Judaizers. They were Jewish people who believed in Jesus, but also believed in the law of Moses, and they were doing both. But what Paul is saying is they're, they're preaching the gospel with envy, with strife, with conflict, and, and they're thinking that that's going to afflict me even more than what my chains are. And he's probably right. For him to hear that was an affliction to him. Paul's gospel was not like the Judaizers. His gospel was, you're saved by grace through faith. You're, God's grace and your faith, you're saved. You call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You believe in his death and resurrection, you will be saved. You don't have to do anything other than believe in him. But the others were preaching with other motives or other reasoning. And he's saying, you know, uh, they think they're going to hurt me by doing that. And, and he probably was hurt by that. But then, verse 17, the latter, those that preach out of goodwill, they know that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. They preach out of love. They preach out of support for me. They're with me in my heart and in my spirit. I can trust them to preach accurately the word of God. So he's watching people, you know, they're preaching with the wrong motive. They're preaching with the right motive. They think they're going to hurt me. They're with me. They support me. They know that my chains have a reason. These people, I don't know what they're doing, but they're preaching for the wrong motive. And you would think that Paul would say to reject them. But verse 18 really blows my mind, too. He says, what then? What do we do with this? I thought about this verse for many, many years, even prior to preaching on it today. But what do you do with people like that? Do you write them off? Do you rebuke them or correct them or whatever? Will you do something? But he says, well, what, only, the only thing I care about is that in every way, whether in pretense, whether in falsely or manipulating the word or in truthfully preaching the word of God, either way, I'm just glad that they're preaching the word of God. That, that is amazing to me that he would say that. He must have had, he must have observed long enough to hear what they were saying, and what they were saying had an element of truth in it. And he's saying, for that, I'm rejoicing. The other stuff is not good, but for that, the, the nugget of truth is in their, in their presentation. 
And I'm rejoicing that in spite of their attitude or their mindset or whatever, their desire to hurt somebody through the preaching of the word, what they're preaching is right. Bottom line, it is right. And Paul says, I'm rejoicing that the word of God is going forward. Whether in pretense or in truth, I will rejoice. And yes, I do rejoice. Hallelujah. That's why I've entitled this today, At All Costs, The Gospel. Paul's faith is unshakable. It's diligent. It's filled with joy. It's filled with optimism. Do you see that in this? He's in a very difficult situation. He's not naming and claiming anything, by the way. He's calling upon the name of Jesus Christ. So, at all costs, the gospel. So, verses 12 through 18. Paul is under house arrest. He's with his friend Timothy that came up to visit. He's able to share his faith, to be a witness for the Lord. Non-believers, the palace guard, other officials in the government that are taking care of him, they're observing him and they're recognizing his chains are for the gospel. It's, it's a, what Paul is doing is commendable. And, and you have to wonder, are they curious? Are they going to become believers at one point? Maybe, we don't know. Other people that do believe already who were timid and afraid see what Paul, how Paul is dealing with this. They're now encouraged. They're now confident. They're emboldened that they too are preaching this life-changing gospel. Can I motivate somebody? Make it a point when you go to work this week or whatever you do this week. Just pray to God. Lord God, give me somebody to talk to. I, I say jokingly, it may be somebody at market back. It may be somebody somewhere. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be willing to guarantee somebody you know, somebody I know, is waiting to hear the gospel. I told you about my friend Michael many years ago. I hadn't been in touch with Michael for probably 15 years, and through a series of events, we contacted each other, and I got to know him and befriend him and, again, visit him when I went down to New York to see my mom. And after about three or four visits over the period of about a year, I finally built up enough nerve to talk to Mike about the Lord. And I said, Mike, you know, we've been talking and we're friends. And I know 20 years ago we talked about Jesus, but can we talk about the Lord now? You know what he said to me? He said, Rick, I've been waiting for you to say something about the Lord. I said, ay, 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 Lord, forgive me. I could have been doing this a year or earlier. <laughs> and I'm thinking, he's not going to listen. He doesn't want to know. I, I read it wrong. I'm saying somebody in your life, in my life, is waiting to hear this gospel. So... Uh, some people are preaching the word, good motives, bad motives. Paul's summary of that is, I, I'm only happy that the word is going forward. You know why he's happy about that? Because the Lord will straighten it out. I, I, I'll go out on a limb. I'll just say this one thing. I know, a, I know a brother or two. And I say this with caution. This is not recommended. But these two guys I know, both were... Uh, uh, introduced to Jesus through what we know as Christian cults. One was the Way International. I think the other was Jehovah's Witness. There's, an, there's a strand of truth in all these different cults. They, they heard the gospel. One guy in particular said, I got saved under the Way. I said, what? He goes, I know they're a cult, but they preach the truth. That one time I was there, they preached the truth. When I found out who they were, I left and never went back, and I gave my heart to the Lord. Even in that, 
there's an element of God. I mean, I hate to say it like that because I reject the cults. I do. But even if you meet someone that's been in a cult, even a Mormon, that's, that, that's a, so many beliefs are contrary to the word of God. But there's something in there that they may relate to when you speak about the Jesus that you know from the word of God. So let me give you three things to think about here as we kind of wrap up this little section. At all costs, the gospel. Here's number one, right? Numero uno. You could write it down or take a picture or check it out on the, on the, uh, on the website later. The first thing is, that when you want, at all costs, the gospel, number one, look for the good. And I know that that rubs people the wrong way. But I'm telling you, Paul looked for the good. Our problem, the obstacles for most of us in sharing our faith with others is the level of our faith, the level of trust in God based on what we see. Now, how many times have you done this? If only I had a miracle in my life, then I would tell everybody. If only God would answer this one prayer about so-and-so, then I would shout it from the rooftops. Can I just say that, uh, look for the good here. I was going to name this number one point, there will always be obstacles. But I decided to change it to look for the good. It's true, there always will be obstacles. But in this case, in verses 12 through 14, let me ask you a question. Where's the miracle? I don't see a miracle. I see a man being persecuted for his faith in Jesus Christ. I see him... Locked up, chained up, being fed by people with food. Who knows if he even liked the food? But he's in a situation where there's no miracle here. There's no you know, provision from God or whatever. In fact, he, he was there for two years, finally went to trial. Most scholars think after that, he was executed. So I'm just saying, you know, look for the good Look for the good. 2 Corinthians 11, he was whipped and beaten and thrown in jail, all that stuff. Look for the good. It all works together for good. The, the, the workers, the non-believers were now attracted to his faith. The believers that were there were emboldened to share their faith with others. And that's what faith is all about. Jesus said in John chapter 16, in this world there will be tribulation. Hello? Are you surprised things are crazy right now? It's just what Jesus said. In the world, there will be tribulation. There will be hardship. There will be things that happen that you don't like or agree with, and you don't, you know, you're, you're in anguish over it. But he says, but, but lo, I have overcome the world. Put your faith in me. We'll get through this together. I think of other scriptures. In 2 Peter 5.10, Peter says something astounding. He says, after you suffered a while... Oh, really? I don't want to suffer. Well, you have to. No. Yes. After you suffered a while, God will perfect you and establish you and strengthen you and settle you. Some of us want to get settled without going through the fire a little bit. It doesn't work that way. We have to go through the hardships so that God could mold us, shape us, chip off the old man and make us who he wants us to be. Romans eight twenty eight. I said it earlier, all things work together for the good, for those that love God 
and are called according to his purpose. At all costs, the gospel. But can we decide to look at what is good in this situation? Can we decide to to trust God with whatever's going on and instead of seeing the, the fatality in it, see the life in it? And I'll guarantee you, you'll find life if you look for it. You'll find joy if you look for it. You'll find peace if you seek peace. If you reject God in your dilemma, you won't find all these things. But if you include him in in your dilemma, look for the good that he brings to the table. I see no miracle here. I I see no supernatural. The angel didn't come to release him of the chains and set him free. That didn't happen. Not here. It happened another time. But Paul's attitude is so commendable. I want you to know all that happened to me, all these stripes on my back, he probably walked hunched over. All that happened to me resulted in the furtherance of the gospel. What does that say about the man? His main thing was the gospel. It wasn't his life. He said it before. It's no longer I who live anyway. It's Christ that lives in me. He's living it out in reality. This is a great encouragement to us, church. Let me give you number two. At all costs, the gospel. Well... Number two is this, accept the negative. Now, before you throw uh, paper clips or pens at me, let me explain. <laughs> because I don't like the negative. I fight the negative. But what I mean is, Paul accepted the negative. He knew their motives weren't right in preaching the word. And, 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 but he accepted it. Oh, well, he found good in it anyway. They're preaching the word. I'll let it go with that. But let me say this. There will always be naysayers in our lives. And unfortunately, there will always be naysayers in our church. Should I say that again? There will always be naysayers in our lives, our families maybe. And unfortunately, there will be naysayers in the church. There will always be disgruntled, unhappy people around us. You know, pastors would pray, Lord God, either change them or release them. But Lord, do something to change the atmosphere. But anyway, uh, there, are, there are some, even in the church, there's obviously in our families, that will see the glass is always half empty. And others will see the glass is half full. It's all a matter of perception. How do you see things? Uh, are you a negative person or a positive person? Um, even in sharing the gospel, Some people will share the gospel with the wrong motive. They'll be selfish. They'll have a bad heart, prideful heart, saying words with the wrong motives and actually really hurt people. I want to encourage you today, accept the negative. The negativity will be there. I'm sorry to say. We have to do our part to look for the good and to be positive. But the negative will always be around us. Think about this with me. In Numbers 13. Moses called the people. He got 12 spies to go spy out the land. How come 10 of them came back with a negative report and only Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report? But they didn't let the negative report deter them from going to possess the land. There will be people in our lives that are negative and say, we can't do this or we can't do that. In John chapter 6, the 12 apostles, Jesus said to the 12 apostles, there's 5,000 people here. Get something to eat and feed them. They're all scratching their heads. Why? How are we going to do that? Just then a little boy comes walking through. Well, I have five loaves and two fish here. 
And their negativity did not affect that little boy. Aren't we supposed to have childlike faith to trust God when the obstacles seem so ridiculous? We need to just trust God as a child would trust God. Amen. In Mark chapter 12, all the wealthy people blowing their horns and making a big deal about their offerings in the temple. And here's this little old woman with a, a putting in the widow's mite in the plate. And Jesus said, you know what? She gave more than anybody else because she gave out of her heart. So there's all this negativity. You don't have enough. You aren't enough. You don't do enough. You know what? Forget that negativity. You do what you can do for the kingdom of God. You go forward in Christ. You use your talents, your giftings, whatever God gave you, use it for the glory of God. There will always be negative people. There will always be people that that say words that hurt or that kill or want to stifle you or actions that belittle you. Even when Jesus arose from the dead, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I put my hands in... And Jesus appeared to him and he believed. He said, oh, my Lord and my God. If anyone ever questions the deity of Christ, quote that scripture, my Lord and my God. Think of the thieves on the crosses. Why was one so negative? Lord, you, you save everybody else. You heal everybody else. You can't help yourself. You can't help us. And the other one said, Lord, forgive me. Remember me in paradise today. It's all a matter of perspective. So listen, we can't change everybody. We can't. All we can change is ourselves. Let's let God come in and take what we have and just change us for the good, for the positive. Amen. Okay, verses 15 to 17. uh, You know, people are going to do what they're going to do. Some are going to preach or live with a negativity. You know, expect it, accept it, but Don't let it poison you. That's the downside. If we're around it, it may be like a poison in our spirit. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, no, look, let's just recognize it and rebuke it and get on with our walk with God. Don't let it poison you. Negative people, uh, unfortunately, well, on the other hand, negative people are in a prime position to give it up to God. And for we who are trying to be positive, it becomes a golden opportunity to share our faith with somebody that's negative. Hello. Hello. Am I talking to anybody today? Hebrews, Hebrews 12, yeah. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, great scriptures. Since we have this great cloud of witnesses before us, let us run this race with endurance. Right? Casting aside the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who has, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and now sits at the right hand of God. If we focus on negativity, we're going to get negative. If we focus on Jesus, we're going to get the victory. And that, that's, that's free advice right there. Focus on Jesus, the one who gave you your faith in the first place. And the negative people in our lives, the negative voices, they're going to be there. But as for me, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Number three, just to tie this up. Number three, at all costs, the gospel is to preach Jesus. Verses 1 through 18 really uh, summarize the whole thing. 
uh, in spite of hardship, in spite of prison, in spite of uh, changes in our lives, uh, difficulties, pain, suffering, whatever. uh, In spite of, get this, in spite of the miracle not happening yet. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to just wait for this miracle to happen. In the meantime, we're going to be miserable. Well, some of us are like, I mean, I'm like that sometimes. I just want this miracle. God, come on. Oh, I got to straighten up. Okay. Just had to get it out of my system there for a second. But you know what I mean? But in all, in all <laughs> bottom line, preach Jesus. Because I'll tell you, um, the difficulty that you and I have with, with life what happens is, if you're like me, and we're all alike, we're all alike, basically, we think we're the only ones. And then when we talk to somebody, and they say, wow, I have the same problem. You do? And then you can pray and talk about it, but preach Jesus. You're not the only one. We're not the only ones going through hardship. We're not the only ones that get bad news from a doctor. We're not the only ones that have car problems, although sometimes I think we are, but anyway... We're not the only ones. Everyone's in the same boat. But in spite of it, what we're seeing here today is preach Jesus. And if necessary, use words. Preach Jesus. Let your light shine. Let the love of Christ be poured out uh, through your life. Um, All that matters is that through it all, through the good and the bad, through the ups and downs of life, When you look back on your life, through it all, what really matters is where Jesus, where you were with Jesus during those times. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Go make, go into all the nations, make disciples of all the nations, baptize them, teach them to observe all that I taught you. And lo, I am with you always. Really, Lord? You're with me. My car just broke down. I have no money to fix. Lord, come on. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll help you through. But Lord, I got this bad diagnosis from the doctor. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm with you. I'm with you. He promised to be with us in spite of our problems. I'll be with you until the end of the age. Hallelujah. In conclusion, at all costs, the gospel. Be a witness to our families, our school mates, our work people, our friends the waitress at the restaurant or the waiter, um, the auto mechanic. My auto mechanic is a Muslim. I keep asking him to come to church. He goes, I'm a Muslim. I said, I don't care if you're a Muslim. Jesus loves you anyway. (laughs) He says, yeah. I think he believes that too. But I haven't seen him in church yet. Anyway, the cashier at Market Basket somebody. Be a witness. Preach Jesus by your lifestyle. Your words are important. Your lifestyle may be more important initially. Look for the good. Accept the negative. It's going to be there. And in spite of everything, continue to preach Jesus. Can we stand together? Let's read verse number 18 before we wrap this up. Verse number 18. This is the New King James Version. Say it with me, please. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. One more time. What then? 
Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Every head bowed for just a moment, please. Amen. We're going to pray. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this. I wonder if there's anybody here that uh, you're not in physical chains, but you're, you're chained up to something. A sin, a lifestyle, a memory. And that has affected your whole life. Your whole disposition is wrapped up around that one or two things that happened maybe years ago. And you can't seem to shake it. It's affecting your life. It's affecting your witness before the Lord and before the world. I wonder if there's some that are feeling like, I don't know, I'm not in jail, but I feel like I'm just, I have so many problems in my life. I need God's help. I pray and I pray and I I trust and things aren't happening the way I want them to happen. I don't know what God's doing. Maybe you just need someone to walk along with you and, and encourage you in the faith. Maybe like some of these believers they observe Paul's sufferings and they got emboldened. Maybe some of you need to be made bold and to be a light in the dark world where you live. So without anyone looking around, I'm just going to leave it like this. Is there anyone that... I just want you to raise your hand. Is there anyone here that needs to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Raise your hand nice, nice and high so I can see. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Praise God. Is there anyone else? I wonder if anyone else could relate to Paul's situation. Not ideal, yet he was so positive. How many want to be like that? My hand's up. I want to be like that. Okay. I'm going to pray. And uh, those that raise their hands, if you would see me afterward just for a minute, I'd love to talk to you uh, before you go home today. Dear Father, Lord, we said it in the sermon that your word is a, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Your word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. It's profitable to fix what's wrong with us. So, Lord, we need your word uh, at work as we go through life when life is not always uh, ideal for us. We have problems. We have tribulations. We have hardships. We have conflicts. But Lord, right now, we invite you into those areas of our lives that are uneasy right now. We pray that you would help us, that you would walk with us through the fire, and that after we suffered a while, we would see that you're perfecting us, you're changing, you're establishing us, you're settling us, you're strengthening us. And Lord, with those that said, Lord, I I need the Lord to be my personal Savior. Lord, we pray in agreement today. We are sinners. There's something about us that, that tends to navigate towards the negative or towards the sinful. And Lord, we want to put an end to that and just accept you as our Lord and Savior. Invite you, Lord, come into our hearts, establish or reestablish your kingdom deep within us, oh God. 
that we would not be swayed by our problems or swayed by the, by the beat of the world, but that we would be uh, convicted to run after you for the rest of our lives. So we invite you into our hearts today to forgive us of our sins and to cause us to be born again into your kingdom. Lord, we believe in the gospel, the sinless life of Jesus, the death on the cross for our sins, the resurrection from the dead, the ascension into glory, and the promise to come back again. We believe all of it. And we pray, Lord, that today and throughout this week, Lord, we would sense your presence, even as Paul sensed your presence locked up in that house, under house arrest, that we would sense your presence in whatever we deal with this coming week. We thank you. We praise you for it. Give you all the praise. Lord, we really give you all the praise. Thank you, Lord, for dealing with us. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us. Thank you, Lord, for not rejecting us in our moments of stubbornness and rebellion and despair. You're always there. And thank you for taking us back. Lord, may we have a good day, a good night. Uh, Bless the water baptism. Bless the Sunday night prayer time. And may uh, the blessing be on tomorrow night's prayer time as well. Thank you, Lord. Let us walk with you and walk with one another as we progress through this life. In Jesus' precious, holy, powerful, mighty, life-changing, demon-fighting, victorious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, God is good. Uh, There's some refreshments for the uh, baby dedication celebration, so help yourself to that. Uh, Those that raised your hand, please see me before you go, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the live stream.